Hello. This is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice. With me, Michael Kuehl. And me, Roger Bellwurst. We're out in Roger's back garden again, and it has become overgrown since he went on a holiday, and there are things creeping about in the undergrowth. The daisies are only waist high, it's fine. Are those those things slithering over there? Yeah, never mind. In a caring context. This month we will be having an interview with one of the great and good. We will be talking about Rogers wrapping up a great enterprise and me failing even to start one. So in that cheerful spirit, let us get on. UK Games Expo in June, I spoke with Nick Marsh, author and gamer, who has done the adaptation in an unusual direction. Yes, yes, hello. There's starting with, well, not with Horror on the Orient Express, but with a specific, a specific play of Horror on the Orient not Express. Just, yes, not just that campaign, but one specific playthrough of the Horror on the Orient Express campaign. As done by yogsauthors.com. As done by YSDC.com. So using their characters, yes, it was um, it was an interesting one because um, I don't know that books based on role-playing games necessarily have an auspicious history. Generally hasn't gone well. I mean, we, we all know about Dragonlots and many people liked the books, but even the people who liked them wouldn't claim they were good. Um, they're not high literature. I don't know. I've got a, a certain fondness for them. But um, again, were they... I wonder if they were based on a specific campaign. Really, the campaigns were written for the book, so that was I think unusual. I think there was back and forth on that. Yes. yes. But um, book adaptations of, of adaptations into role-playing games are you know, relatively standard. Yes. If, if, if the book's big enough. But So what, what gave you the idea to adapt it the other way? Um, well, Paul asked me to was the first. Paul <laughs> is the, the webmaster and was also the GM of, uh, of the webmaster of YSDC and also the GM of the campaign. And I'd written a few books before and a few things for his site and he asked if I'd be interested in adapting it. Um, and I do, of course, have a, a great deal of affection for Call of Cthulhu and the, the, particularly the 20s setting. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always a fun... It was certainly a fun excuse to do a lot of research, firstly on the Orient Express and secondly on 1920s Europe, both of which are great fun to research in the first place. Right. Uh, and I could see, unlike a lot of campaigns, it did have a... a because it's a, quite a railroady structure to <laughs> the campaign, it's actually got a more narrative structure than a lot of role-playing games would have. It still needed an awful lot of work to first force it into a novel kind of format. Until it, yeah. It's certainly not the same experience as you would get from listening to the game recordings, which are still linear fiction of a sort. Yes. Well, I wanted it to be satisfying as a novel for someone who had no knowledge of either the campaign or that particular campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing the thing I struggled most with is very often, sometimes what you struggle most with playing Call of Cthulhu, which, is, uh, which sounds like a terribly... Um, uh, lovely thing to say, but what is my motivation for being here? Why yeah. am I carrying on in this desperate situation when I'm a normal human being and my friends have died? And That's one of the things that Trailer Cthulhu explicitly addresses with, with the drive system. But really, what, what it's saying is the answer to your motivation is this. Yes, yes, it still, I don't <laughs> it, know, it, it still it, feels it, a little forced when it's done that way. I, 
I, I guess your motivation in a game, particularly in Call of Cthulhu, is I want to play the game and have fun. Yeah. Yeah, but, but, but that's your player motivation as, as separate from the character. Yes, I mean. So yes. what, what, why, why does um, Bob, who's just seen all his friends horribly slaughtered, well, that ga- it gather does some lead more to, friends? I hate to use another um, soothy term, but um, ludonarrative dissonance, I believe the term is, <laughs> uh, where the gameplay doesn't quite match the narrative and you feel it makes you more aware that you're playing a game. And it, yeah. that that can work in a role-playing game because to some extent you can just hand-wave it a bit. Yeah, and so some games make this explicit where, where you've got you know, mechanics to affect the plot. Yes, plot yes. points or whatever. Exactly, and others you can just... I, I don't know, I'm perhaps getting old. I'd rather just role-play it than have a mechanic tell me how to do it. But that, <laughs> that's personal choice and I've no problem well, that, with that. Well, that's in tune with, with the opinions generally expressed on this podcast. Uh, yes, and I thought you <laughs> might... Um, but for a novel, that just doesn't work. You really need to... You can't have the reader saying, well, what, what are they doing? Why are they just carrying on in this? So, uh, well, if, if we're going to get all, all uh, poncy about it, diagetic motivation. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we're, we're using some long words today. Um, it must be this uh, spectacular duck pond setting that is uh, inspiring our narrative. Um, but, yeah, that was the thing I struggled most with, was the uh, the character motivation. But I, f- I feel like I, I got there. I got there. Yeah, because it, it is a campaign. Well, c- certainly that playthrough had a, had a pretty high casualty rate. I mean, it not most of Nathalathotep high casualty, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, high enough. Um, the other thing I had to be wary of with the novel, of course, in the playthrough... Um, there's very much a, oh, well, he's dead, here's my next character. But in yeah. a novel, it doesn't really work out that, oh, we're mourning the loss of our friend, but here's someone else who's, who's going to join <laughs> us on our journey. So I had to keep that very much to a minimum uh, in the novel. Hmm. And not so much, uh, the other thing I slightly changed, which is more personal preference to me, and maybe would work in a novel, but I feel you have to try and keep... the, the Horror on the Art Express is a campaign, it's a lot of throw a lot of supernatural things at the players and see what sticks. There's an awful lot yeah. of different aspects of it. There's the uh, spoilers, but there's the Loigor in the caves at um, is it Milan? God, it's a long time since I wrote that book. Um, <laughs> there is, there's a vampire. Yeah. There's uh, a, a cult. There's the Dreamland. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, there's, there's more, all of which gets thrown into, and I I tried to cut uh, this magic um, explicitly. I tried to, I didn't cut all of it out, but I tried to cut all of it out, particularly the Dreamland sequences. I personally have a dislike for... I've, I've always felt the Dreamlands, I know Lovecraft loved them, but they always took away from the eldritch, uh, the, the sense of impotence of humanity, if they can then yeah. go into the Dreamlands and become powerful beings that can defeat the great old ones there. I, I think, well, well, there is obviously quite a lot of overlap in the components. I think Chaosium was wise to have Dreamlands as a separate pack. Yes. Effectively a separate game. You well, c- I think you can right. cross them over, but in you don't have to. In the original Call of Cthulhu, that was the same opinion. I think Sandy Peterson probably has a similar feeling to the... I vaguely remember in a foreword that he writes something very similar about that, that he feels it detracts from the horror. Um, and I wanted to make it more explicitly horror novel. Though mm. it's a very pulpy novel, just because of the nature of the campaign, it's quite pulpy too. Yeah, and um, you... Seem to make some fairly significant changes around the ending. Um. Yes. Yes, I did. Well, I mean, the, the ending of that particular campaign was already changed from the campaign. Yeah. I think possibly wisely, because having, uh, again, spoilers, having followed the train all the way to 
Constantinople, they then take the train the whole way back again in the final act in sort of an anticlimactic session. Yeah, and, and even in the book, this is only a page or two. Yes, yes, exactly. So we, we hurried that up because really by that point you're... Well, I felt you were in a hurry to get to the end, but... It's, it's not as if you have a whole bunch of things happening again. No, exactly. It's, it's just another train trip back. It's very anticlimactic. It becomes a sort of murder mystery. But by the third act of a narrative structure, you don't want a whole extra murder mystery popped in. Hmm. Uh, it would really slow the action down. So I, to some extent, I borrowed Paul's idea. Um, again, I don't want to go into too much detail for anyone who hasn't read it. But I borrowed <laughs> Paul's idea to skip a lot of that return train journey. And the very end of the campaign, although it's great fun in a role-playing game to just have things work out as they do, you do really need, at the end of a book, some degree of narrative satisfaction and tying together of the yeah, plot. I, I certainly got the impression when I first listened to it that, after all that, yes, it would be hard to have a satisfying conclusion anyway, but it was obviously okay for the players because they were involved. It's not so great for the audience. That's often what I find. I love listening to actual play podcasts, um, but you often find, as a narrative, you, there's enough of a narrative to draw you along and you're interested, but it's frequently anti-climax, particularly in a Call of Cthulhu campaign when this didn't actually happen in horror, again, spoiler, but particularly when it ends <laughs> with the death of all the characters and the, the dooming of the world, which is a, a little... There are some sorts of horror which can make that work, but Yes, we won't name them because those would be spoilers for them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but so, I did significantly change the ending. Um, I also... Well, again, spoiler, um, also to make it more interesting for people who listen to the campaign, some people who died in the campaign didn't necessarily die in the book or certainly at the times when they did and some characters were just cut out um, yeah so uh, the, the ending was more or less completely changed just to tie all the narrative threads together so w would it be fair to say that you basically took the campaign recordings as a, as a guide more than anything else Yes, very much. I wouldn't compare myself to it, but very much like the Hitchhiker's novels are very, very loosely based on the radio show. <laughs> um, I suppose you would say that some of the events happen, but in different orders. Um, mm -hmm. The characters are essentially the same, and that's really the important thing. But but the, some of the things they did and some of their motivations for it are a little more uh, polished and thought out in the novel, whereas they're more spontaneous and more fun. <laughs> um, in in the, not that, not to do down my own book, but yeah, it, it has to work differently in a book. I was surprised actually, quite how much work it was. I thought it would be easier because I had the story and I had the the characters already. I thought it would be easier than writing a novel from scratch. In many ways, it was as hard, if not slightly harder, than just doing it straight from scratch. But Those, it was tremendous fun. Bearing in mind how many of the the uh, game to book adaptations have been essentially, this is very boring because it's just what happened in the game. Only I'm not playing the game. Yes, so yes. There, there, there is some there, clearly there is there is reward for this effort as well. Well, I, I'm uh, I feel uh, vindicated because a lot of people have read it now who never read the campaign, never heard of the campaign. Some people never even heard of Call of Cthulhu, and still enjoyed it as a narrative, which was the whole point for for me for writing the book in the first place. You've recently been doing a, th a thing that is slightly unusual in my experience because <laughs> I've been playing and running GURPS pretty solidly since 4th edition came out, which, which is over 10 years now. And so when, when I approach a new campaign and I think I'm going to run this under GURPS, it's because it's an easy option for me. But you, you've recently started running a, a GURPS 4th, yes. where it's not, not your usual system. So um, what I'd really like to know is, how, how, how are you finding that? And uh, particularly for that matter, why, why did you choose to use uh, GURPS? So I've always, I've always loved GURPS. I had 3rd um, edition, um, and I had I've got a huge shelf full of the source books, but I mm -hmm. largely had it because 
I always found the GURPS source books to be the best researched and the best, they're just really good books to read. I was, yep. One of my novels is set in ancient Rome and GURPS Imperial Rome was a really, really helpful <laughs> source book for that. Um, but just the concept, like GURPS time travel, um, GURPS robots was great fun. They're just great fun to read. So I got a mm-hmm. whole collection of GURPS books that I never, I did very, very... A uh, long time ago, run a GURPS Supers campaign, back, right. probably about 20 years ago, but it was very rough and ready, and um, it, worked, it worked quite well. Because I, I, was I going... think e- even big fans of GURPS 3rd edition would say that Supers was where it started to break a bit if you yes. weren't careful. Well, it was supposed to be a grim and gritty. I was very much, At that time, obviously, I just read Watchmen, I just read The Dark Knight <laughs> Returns. I was very much in that frame of mind that... I'm quite happy for a superhero to die if he gets shot in the head. Um, mm-hmm. So it, I think it's not so good for four-colour campaign. But anyway, that's the background. Um, and I've been drawn back to Gertz more partially from your podcast. Um, <laughs> partially just I've always liked the mechanic. I, I am much more of a... On the on the side of the debates, um, I don't know about debate, but I have a personal preference for more mechanistic games than narrative-based games. Yeah. Not that I'm not a fan of narrative, I'd just rather it emerged from the mechanics rather than the narrative shape the mechanics, I guess. Is the way. And GURPS is really good. It's as crunchy as you want it to be, I find, mm. GURPS, to some extent. Because well, it, it, I, I think one of the things people coming in from, from other games that have trouble picking up sometimes is it's very modular. Yes. Yeah, if, you, if you're playing Pathfinder, then you, there's pretty much the standard set of rules that you use. Yes. And maybe some optional stuff. With, with GURPS, it's all optional. Well, I, th- I think I started looking at GURPS Ultra Light and worked my way mm-hmm. up to GURPS Light and then just <laughs> felt it's not. It's actually a very small step, really, in a lot of ways, up to full blown GURPS from there. Yeah. And um, the other thing that convinced me to move to GURPS was playing in your game, Roger, a few years ago, um, and he gave me meat, which is ah. available on the YSDT website, I believe. But that was oh, a good so, yeah. one. But I, I found, you know, in your head, it's probably true for a lot of people, you think of GURPS as ultra-complicated and ultra-fiddly, but uh, it actually played very, very smoothly. The actual play of it is quite easy to do, and it's quite easy... So yeah, I, I think one of the things, it front-loads the, car- the complication. Yes. Because if you're building a character from scratch... You've got hundreds of pages of things that yes. you might want to buy. Most of those aren't going to apply in any single campaign. Yes. But you've got this book with them in it. Exactly. So it's intimidating. But actually, so I think maybe the best thing to do about it is just to play it and see how it feels in play. And then if you like that, then you can. How am I finding it? Um, so this is a GURPS Traveller campaign. I've converted to Fourth Ed. Converted which, yeah. to Fourth Ed. Um, which is not, it's not actually a tremendous amount of work converting to Fourth Ed. It's very little change. Some, some of the alien templates were needed a bit of tweaking. Uh, yes, and I did find the GURPS spaceships was... Uh, I had to basically create those from scratch, but the, the GURPS spaceships rulebook... I think, is that PDF only? Uh, the volume one is what was available on print on demand. I don't know if it's still in stock. Uh, so I bought the PDF and sent it to... Um, uh, I don't know if it should be advertising, but Docs Director, phenomenally good at printing out PDFs for mm-hmm. you... Um, very cheaply so uh, and that is a really really good supplement uh, it's surprisingly easy and very easy to build your own spaceships in so i had a fun few days building gurps ships 
Um, there's a big nerdy part of me that just likes the number crunching of it all. Yeah. Well, one, one of the things that I, I like about Spider-Man, I say this as a fan of GURPS Vehicles, which was the very number crunchy third ed sub. Yes. Uh, with, with, with spaceships, you can actually knock up a ship design in just a couple of minutes if you don't care about looking at how much it's going to cost. Yes, that's... Then, a... then you can just run it up and you've got stats. It's right there. Exactly, yes. I found that very easy. So running the game itself, uh, well, it's, it's actually quite easy. It's, it's difficult sometimes playing because you know the system much, much better than I do. But even then, I think it's, it's rare that we... I mean, you're, you're very good at <laughs> being polite when I, uh, when I cock it up. But I find it a system... I thought I would find it quite hard to improvise in and that sort of thing. But actually, if you're not worried about getting exactly the right rule for exactly the right situation, it's actually a system that is really quite easy to improvise in, I found. The yeah, gen- generally, the rule is going to be rolled against a skill or a stat. Yes, exactly. And it's, yeah, I, I found it quite nice to... I've, I've really enjoyed playing it, actually. Uh, I've really enjoyed running it. I've found it quite easy, quite an elegant system. More so than other... I went for a while back to the, the old D6 system based on the West End game Star Wars mm-hmm. um, because I thought... My memory of that was it's very quick and easy to improvise and uh, I didn't find it so... I GMing it, I found it a bit uncomfortable and I wasn't quite sure which target number should be what... I, I don't know. I've just got a better feel for the GURPS numbers, so I found that easier to run. And it, it's, it's a thing that isn't exactly a formal uh, statement, but a lot of systems you, you have to say to the player, OK, your target is X, because yes. they're, they're going to, say, roll, roll a bunch of D6s and looking for all the ones that are fives or higher, as yes. it might be. In GURPS, you can say, well, give me a roll and see how much you made it by. And if they get a critical success, well, yeah, that's great. And if they made it by sort of four or five, then OK, you, you did pretty well. And if they just barely scraped it... There isn't a formal narrative support for that, but but it gives you an idea of, okay, this is roughly how well they're doing at this. Yes, I agree. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Just um, for whatever reason, I find that much easier to conceptualise than me saying, okay, this is a difficulty 20 situation. But even though it's very similar to me just saying, okay, do that, but add a minus four on it. It's it's very very similar, but I I found found it conceptually easier. So... The, the very short answer is I'm very much enjoying running it. It's, it's uh, m- m- most recent session we played was uh, ne- nearly lethal to a character. Yes, that was great fun. <laughs> <laughs> so not not taken by surprise there. <laughs> it went, no, it was good because that was I was slightly nervous about that one because it had a lot of uh, I knew it was going to have some melee combat in, but that went it's it's not all that complicated either to to run that through. It's, mm-hmm. it's a fairly quick system when it's running. It's uh, yeah, there's a lot of fiddly bits under the hood. But it's uh, it's nice when it's running. Thank you very much. Very keen on it. As you may have heard several times on this podcast, uh, Roger has been running Torg, the ancient, um, well, 1990s, mid-period, old uh, role-playing game with GURPS uh, for one of his, for his Wednesday night group. Yeah, and um, now he's coming towards the end of that, and to mark this epic o- occasion, we're going to discuss what he's learned, what he would do differently, and why he's stopping. Why are you stopping? Well, yeah, it's not the end of the meta campaign because they, they did actually come to an end with their meta plot. They, they yeah. wrapped it up in a bit of a hurry, but there was a last adventure. Yeah. Um, but 
Well, one of the reasons I started this was uh, specifically that it shouldn't need an awful lot of preparation compared with a game that's entirely out of my own head. <laughs> and you discovered the, uh, the the limits to that. Well, yeah, the, um, that's just something to keep in mind, because obviously all the things I'm going to complain about could be fixed by just rewriting stuff. Hmm. But if I do that, then I'm putting in just as much effort as if it was something I'd invented, and uh, I, frankly, I'd rather be running something I've invented. Fair enough. Um, but it's things like the quality of the adventures. Um, yeah. Okay, they're, they're prone to foreign culture tourism. You know, now, now we're going to go to uh, this bit of South America, and here is an info dump on this bit of South America and their culture. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, all right, you know, it was harder to do research in the 1990s. Uh, we didn't have Wikipedia. We did oh, have bizarre from Wikipedia. We we did we didn't have Google Maps and Google satellites. Um, oh, that's a blessing for any game set on Earth. In any time period, it must be said. Yeah. Um, but in spite of that, it it does tend to be pretty superficial. Um, you're going to go in, you're going to kill some people, you're going to blow some stuff up. And you're going to get a lecture on, on the culture. There's a section in uh, High Lord of Earth which is basically tourism through the um, particular bit of Aztec culture that they borrowed. And uh-huh. you know, here, here is how a market works, and, and here is how the military works. And Do you actually have to salute anybody or buy anything? As far as I could see, it was basically an excuse to try to get the PCs to start a fight, mm. at which point things go badly for them. And th- that in itself does seem kind of unfair, because, let's face it, these adventures are basically a series of fights, as they're written. Yeah. Uh, I, one of my players is, is playing a very social character. Uh, lots of reaction modifiers and persuasion skills and things. Yeah. And this is great, because that's pretty much the only way you can bypass a lot of these fights. I mean, so, some of them are just, oh, well, a fight happens. Yeah. This is what you came for. Some of them are, we're setting this up to look as if it's the fight that you came for, but if you get involved, um, horrible things will happen, and um, the, the entire party gets messed ah, up. the bait and switch of... Yeah. There's not really any obvious way to tell the difference between them. Yeah, quite. Though the the big one was zone limitations, you, you you've got this system of invading realities. Yeah, this is I I never quite understood. All right, the meta it's awkward that when your game needs metaphysics and you cannot understand the metaphysics. Well, it need, needs to be good or at least consistent metaphysics. At that least would be consistent nice. enough for game purposes, unlike, okay. the, unlike the real world, obviously. Um, mm. But okay, you you've got um, pure zones where. Only the, the native reality happens. So you know, bits yeah. of Earth that haven't been invaded, or right next to the to the um, interworld bridge of an invading realm, yeah. is a pure is a pure zone. That that's exactly the, the way that world is expected to work. You get away from that a bit. You get um, dominant zones where it's mostly the invading reality and a bit of Earth, mm. and so on. Various mixtures. But it's quite explicit that core Earth where it hasn't been invaded. Uh, so, you know, Australia, Germany, South America, at least to start with, mm. and so on, all of Africa, is a pure zone. Which means that the invaders should not be able to use any of their funky stuff in those zones. Right. And yet in the adventures they do this all the time. Well, huh. Obvious, well, you, the, their motivation is obvious because funky stuff is cool stuff and cool stuff is funky. And you want to be able to do the signature stuff, the, the grand mashup that, um, that the, that the game is supposedly about. 
Yeah, but, but it does. It means that all the places feel the same. Yeah, it's true. Uh, you you can maybe you're going in into the um, low tech area, and so your rifle's a bit more prone to malfunction. But essentially, it will work until you screw up. Well, the rather than okay, we're going here. We need to do something differently, which is what I would really like out of this. Hmm. It it seems to subvert the idea of there being safe places you can retreat to, which I can see from certain points of view is good. You uh, you want there to be. In some ways, you want there to be nowhere where the player characters can hide from their enemies. On the other hand, that you do sometimes. All you want, ideally, is that normally there are you have your safe base, you have your haven, you have somewhere where you can retreat to, which is what a pure zone would do if it were. Yeah, if it were pure. But but and, and but sometimes with a super special effort, the bad guys can go there anyway. Mm. It's blowing up the the Justice League's watchtower or. or or, the, or whatever it is you, you do in a superhero game. Well, that, that rather leads into the next problem, which is that what, what do they do when they are adventuring? All right, there is adventure happening all the time, that's fair mm. enough, but the adventures just start with the Storm Knights hear about something. Mm. Um, unusual murders or whatever. But, yeah, so, there's, so, no, some, there's no group design. Well, the... It it seems to me that you know storm knights ought to be talking to each other, hmm. for for example. Well, are storm knights supposed to be? There are these random individuals who have some super access. Uh, uh, they, they are possibility rated. In other words, they're not when when an invasion hit, they weren't automatically transformed into the into the natives of the new reality. Okay, but some of them uh, some are, some of them are good guys. Some of them are bad. Guys. Some of them are natives of the invading reality. Yeah, and. Right, so no, they they are able to pass between realities without risking completely disintegrating. Okay, so they 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 you you cro- they cross into a merry old isle, which is mm. England, and they do and they do not suddenly find themselves a peasant looking to cow. Indeed. So, but, but and do they the, have any ability to assert their home reality in the in the foreign realm, other yes. than inside their own skin? I mean. Yes, it it costs possibilities, which are basically the experience points of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can put up a reality bubble, which gives you a local um, effect. Yeah, you know, I think it's with, within six feet or so, which, which lets you, you know, do do all your nifty stuff. Well, yeah, okay. Though obviously this constrains ranged attacks somewhat. But that that's a short that's an expensive short term thing. It's not a thing you're meant to be doing all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, and if 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 you're just carry, carrying around your usual kit, yeah, chances are you can keep using it, unless you go into a pure zone, per mm. the rules, and until you roll, if basically roll too low and too bad, things will go wrong. You you not only does it not work, you disconnect. You can't spend possibilities on improving your rolls for a bit until you take yeah. a bit of time to reconnect. Okay. But, so, you know, what, what about the bits of the world that haven't been invaded? They did do a city book for Berlin quite late on in the sequence. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what, what about Africa? What about New Zealand? Um, what about China? Yeah, well, that's a big one. Um, oh, you would have thought, from a from a commercial point of view, that... Uh, oh, well, they've got... Jap- Jap- is, Japan was enough uh, from the Orient for, uh, to be weird for, for them. There wasn't a... Hmm. It was the 90s. It was sort of early days of the Chinese emerging from... Um, Maoism. Yeah, it's it's not really. I don't think China's mentioned at all. That I, there's there do have some um, 
oh, Hong Kong film style martial arts groups mm. get, getting started in that. Um, but, you know, there is a Chinese government and one feels that it would have something to say about all this and it has right. millions of men under arms at this point in its history. Uh, it, it's, yeah. The, the, all right, but the, the point you were complaining about before I think binds down to the game lacks... Um, the game lacks you are X who do Y. Well, no. It, it, you, you are heroes who, who fight the invading realities. Why are you doing this? Um, oh, is anybody paying you? <laughs> is it just the right thing to do? Basically, Some of you yeah. are from these invading realities. Why do? You, why? Well, they, 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 they are the reason they have invaded is they have been taken over by high lords who are big bad evils. In what way are they big bad evils? Well, an, an appropriate way to the reality, and the, the, the guy in charge of the pulp reality is the master mad scientist and mental controller and all the rest of it. All right. Um, but if, if you're a stormlight from one of these invading realities, your first priority may well be to take down that high lord. Um, but the invasion has not not done anything good for your reality. Okay. So you want to put everything back where it ought to be and bring the universe back to bore, boring normality? Pretty much. All right, yeah. I'm not sure this is going to appeal to that many players. Yeah, there, there were some alternatives given in, in the final adventure as to how that could finally be resolved, but... Hmm. Yeah, that that's the thing that you know. If if I do start running this again and get to that final adventure, uh, it's going to have to be extensively rewritten, on the basis that lo- a lot of it was a tour of you can now watch this famous NPC defeating this other NPC. Yeah, quite. Uh, um, White Wolf uh, uh, syndrome avant le lettre. Mm. Also, just general organisation. I mean, it, it's published as a bunch of small books here, sixty-four mm. pages mostly. Um, and there are big questions that I simply haven't been able to find the answer to. Such as? Such as there is this thing called the Delphi Council, which is introduced, as far as I remember, in the novels, yeah. primarily. Uh, how much does the average American know about it? What is it supposed to be? Does he know be? it exists at all? It's a shadow government. Oh, right. But, but, sh- but how sh- shadowy is it? Is it a shadow government of the real, quote, Earth? Um, yes. Probably. Ah, uh-huh. There are certainly bad guys on it. Whether they are purely domestic bad guys or alien invaders is, is not clear. Yeah, that's just the... So, so, so they're adding conspiracy because it was the time, I suppose. What sort of conspiracy? Yeah, the X-Files didn't start till 93. Um, well, you already had Illuminatus and, and things like yeah. that. But, but um, yeah, th- there are there are people in the, in the Delphi Council who, who, seem to, who seem to be bad guys, but is it simply that they've just been bribed by somebody... Or is there something else to it? And if it's in a book, I haven't found it yet. All right. And I have all the books. The the other thing that's possibly a problem just because it's GURPS is there is this really very much baked into the mechanics approach that what matters is trying really, really hard. Mm. You, it is. It can be relatively sensible to go into the big boss fight armed with your father's dagger yeah. Rather than a machine gun. Because what you have done is, is um, play, played the metagame with, with the cards and the possibilities and so on. You've got a whole bunch of cards to give you huge bonuses. Mm. Um, 
This is the sword. This is the sword of my father, with which he slew, slew the dragon. And I, I will use that rather than my perfectly adequate machine gun. Yeah. Um, so it, everything is based on effect values, and cards boost effect values. And so the the number of points between the the sword and the machine gun is small enough that you you can expect to bridge that just by playing cards. Yeah. And then, well, it... GURPS is fundamentally trying to be at least based in realism. Then you build it's stuff sim- on top of it. It's but. a simulation... It is, it is, it's a simulation at core, and it appeals to your simulationist heart. Yeah, and I thought I could get away with um, ignoring this bit of talk, but when when you don't have this possibility of the guy with the spear taking down the, the uh, cyberpapacy huge tank. It's the Holy yeah, it, Spear. It, it's, it's not easy for him, but it's a thing he can do. Yeah. And GURPS really doesn't allow that. Hmm. Well, I... Uh, no, it, 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 it begs for a, a more narrative system than it had in the first place. I well, feel. yeah, it, it was originally a fairly narrative system um, for, for by the standards hmm. of the day. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we've got much more narrative since then. Uh, I, I can easily see somebody doing this in something like Fate. Okay. Uh, Savage Worlds might might work. It might be a bit harder work. Yeah, I think Fate or Hero Quest or something yep. like that. In Hero Quest, there are lands, the sword of my of my of my grandfather with which he slayed the dragon is a distinct ability and and something you can use to augment other abilities. And yeah, it would be just the right thing to do and highly appropriate. Mm. But um, I worry about the metaphysics of these these munching universe things together. Yeah, hang on. I worry about the metaphysics of these things which munch universes together. I think that's what I meant to say. Yeah, um, because of you've got a spear. You're from the the primitive version mm. of of America, whatever it was called, living the living land. The living land. You got a spear. With a uh, with a, um, a, a a black glass tip. Now, to quote the, a saying of Larry Nivens, a knife always works, but for some reason, it doesn't seem to make sense that if somebody goes back to that time from the twentieth century, they're entirely in, unable to cope with picking up a spear and things. Well, they... and 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 the guy who with the spear can't. I mean, you get a guy in a loincloth with a spear walking down Wickham High Street today. He can quite possibly kill somebody. But there's this. I don't know. It, I keep I keep thinking that the realities should be nested or maybe Venn diagrams in some sort of a way. Go on. Well, you know that 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 some they should interact and over and overlap if. These aren't quite alternate histories; they're alternate paradigms. Yeah, and alternate so, histories. Some, are some of them have, have, world, have histories quite similar to Earth's. Yeah, others completely separate. But there should be. You see, I don't get the bit where the computers stop working in the prim, on the primitive Earth. Why? Primitive Earth doesn't know anything about them, and they're magic. Yeah, the, the axiom does not support that level of technology. No, yeah, the, the, that, te- that's, the tech that's axiom sort of was always the big one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you you could also consider um, you know, gunpowder doesn't work. 
Yeah, okay. The the same chemical reactions that allow gunpowder to work allow your body to work. Yeah. They're, they're not really that different. Are, are you saying that when you're in the living land, your your body becomes a more spiritual entity and works that way because it is a body that, you know, it is a human body and human bodies work until you put a spear in them? Or yeah, oh, what? Well, they, they, they never dealt with this. They just... You see, Glorantha, Glorantha says... This isn't Earth, this isn't... And when we say iron, we don't necessarily mean the stuff you're mm-hmm. used to. And no, there are no atoms, and the sky is a dome. And <laughs> uh, and there is a, a bloke in a big, fiery chariot. It may be several blokes. It may be several blokes simultaneously in a big, fiery chariot, riding it across the sky. <laughs> but at least that's consistent. It's a contained system. Yeah. Here, you've got different systems... Asserting different things, I have the problem. I have problems with Ars Magica because of uh, the in, rigid insistence on the medieval paradigm, and and I just have difficulties making myself believe that Aristotle was right about physics. It's, it's a fault in me. I understand that. Yeah, I can I can see that being tricky. And th- there are really three classes of axiom, because there is the social axiom, which is effectively how how effect how well you can organise people, how high a level of government you can yeah. have. This essentially does not affect player characters at all. Which is odd. Well, there's nothing for it to get a handle on. Yeah. And it, it affects the sort of organisations they meet. You know, when, when you come to a village, is, is it the tribe? Is, is it um, the, the perfect um, cybernetic democracy? Whatever. Yeah. But it, it doesn't affect individual. No, specifically, it doesn't affect individual nifty powers that people have. Quite. There, there is no social based power. You can persuade. You can always persuade people of things. Mm-hmm. Um, then you've got uh, magic and spirit, which are f- primarily limitations on how how powerful special effects you can do. Yeah, uh, with with either spells or miracles, which are classed as different things, though they work similarly. Uh, it, it, the, the presence or absence of gods and spirits makes divine magic theurgy obviously limited to spe- specific circumstances. Yeah, it, it's a graduated thing. If, if the spirit axiom is lower. Yeah. You, you can only do minor things. If it's high, you can do amazing things. Right. And that, that's actually quite nice. Yeah. Uh, um, it, it does mean each each individual magical whatever has to have an effect number that's or an axiom rating that yeah. you compare with the local environment. But you know, that, that, that's fine. And then there is tech, which is the big one, mm. because that affects pretty much everything you carry. Yeah. But it's, it would have been interesting if they'd actually thought about the social game, about... Because society is a technology. Rules and laws, and how far you can, um, how far you can stretch your loyalty outside your family, your village, and what have you. How far commands reach, or social laws reach, is a technology. And and, you need communications, and you and and you need the assumption that. Here comes a man who's with with a with a warrant from the king. We should obey him, yeah. uh, rather than we we should, should should knock him over the head, steal his horse and all his kit, and uh, feed his body to the troll. Well, we were talking about player characters here. Yeah, yeah. We'll always go for the second option. The, but yeah, the, there there are lots of bits in that which just don't seem to be being used. Hmm. The, the thing that's frustrating me. Well, all right. So how are you going to wrap it? Um, for the for the moment, I'm going to finish the current adventure, which com- comes to a reasonable conclusion, 
yeah. uh, and, and then just run something else for a bit. I, I, I may well come back to this at some point, but I, I may well do a bit of rewriting. Minor or major, I don't know yet. If you were doing this as your own design from scratch, <laughs> how would you use the, the, the invading realities theme? Uh, well, I'd start with having some different ones. Hmm. Um, because now, it, it seems fairly clear to me that what they were trying to do was represent the popular genres in gaming at the time. Which is, you know, a very valid commercial So you've got, you've got your fantasy, you've got your cyberpunk, but you've also got your Lost World Dinosaurs. You got your pulp, uh, pulp you got, heroes, which wasn't that popular at the time, but I, I think well, and, it, it's the one everybody likes yeah. when when they're playing it. So <laughs> I think it has to stay in in some way. Um, I, I thought a while back about this and, and considered if I, if I were completely free of any licensing constraints, I might well drop in something like um, Lovecraftian nineteen twenties as one of them, hmm. because well, because that gets you, gets you your pulp feel yeah. and horrible monsters. Robin Laws did uh, has kept his eye on the same commercial possibility with Feng Shui too, and allow, allowing pop-up realities to uh, <laughs> briefly interface, which is a very valid commercial decision, as I kept saying. Yeah, but um, gi- given that, I, I like the idea that when, when you're in Rome, you have, to, you have to do as the Romans do. When, when you're in um, horror reality... You really ought to be using their guns, not your own. Yeah. There's a, you could make this sort of thing driven by cliché, driven by story tropes. Mm. It would be... Um, I'm trying to remember. I'm sure I've read... I, it may be, I may be flashing back to the Incomplete Enchanter to the idea of you are in danger of being subsumed by the, the story you find yourself in the middle of. Mm-hmm. Which would be more interesting, in a way, than, uh, than uh, if the if the the storm knights or whatever you call them, the player characters, have are in danger of um, subsuming all the way, at least temporarily, and yeah, finding um, themselves trapped into an alternate version of themselves and having to be rescued. It, it's or, a, or even that this is simply something that happens to them. You, you, you wouldn't be doing this in GURPS, but with, with an appropriately sim- simple system, mm. you could just say, okay, you know, I, I, I am a modern mercenary soldier. Yeah. I go into while I'm, I'm a medieval mercenary soldier. I have, you know, my, my, my sword and crossbow. Yeah. And the skills to use them. Mm. But I retain some vestige of my personality and memories. Now, that, that could be really quite fun. Yeah, there, there's something like that, to mention Robin Laws again, in, in Nexus. <laughs> um, I was not quite sure. I always felt that my player characters, if they felt invested in the submachine gun, um, would, would bitch a bit. And it does, it does smell... It, it, it's something you'd have, to, you'd have to make clear up front. Yeah. And we, we talked about Amazing Engine, which tries to do this in a slightly different way. Yeah, well, in a very daft A bit way. strange. Yeah, way. <laughs> um, and, and the, the, yeah, but... But I, I, I think the realms would have to have more, more interesting... There really isn't anything that to cause people to want to go to the living land other than something is happening there that we have to stop. Yeah. It's not a place you would ever choose to go to. Yeah, there are dinosaurs. Okay. Safari time, but <laughs> um, yeah, the, it, it's in, in the um, 
actual adventures that got written, it, it gradually became less important because people just weren't interested in it. Mm. And it, it became a joke at one stage. The thing is, if you don't have a tack axiom, yeah. how do you deal with, with the fundamental problem of we are, we are, in the, we are invading realities and we're, we're not helpless in the face of tanks and so on, even though we regard the sword as the pinnacle of military technology? Well, uh, ma- magic and, and, and divine intervention are pretty good uh, mm. counters to, uh, to, to tanks. Um, that and- suggests fairly large-scale magic. Yeah. Um, oh no, just send fire elementals into the ammo supply. That's always my answer. <laughs> the players of my World War II game are remembering a certain incident at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, there are. Hmm. I would, I would probably, what, what, I would what, probably what? do without the initial massive invasion. Uh, I do, I would probably start it, this as a as a wainscot campaign mm-hmm. where. The the, 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 the the alternate realities are shifting in and out like something like um, something like the madness dossiers uh, reality quakes yeah and you are the people uh, Norfolk has just turned into a magical realm go and put it back to normal for Norfolk yeah. and presumably the locals haven't noticed because they've been transformed correct of course there would be far fewer of them in a medieval Norfolk yeah isn't that awkward <laughs> I'm not quite sure what you do about that, but yeah, br- brief shifts of brief shifts of reality, and you other people trying to make sure they don't become permanent would would seem to be more of a, a, a game cohesive. And then possibly as a second stage of the campaign, you could go off and have adventures in those other worlds. Yeah, quite. Or so, or or, and, uh, or suddenly in the second season, it suddenly becomes undeniable. Um, Maybe the third season. Yeah, that, that's a thing that um, a, a lot of uh, settings do quite badly. What, what happens when the knowledge becomes public? Yeah. And as far as I can see in Torg, it's never really dealt with... I mean, people gradually accept that, oh yes, that there, there are there are the, the lizard men, um, some of them playing baseball now. The, and, the, you know, there's prejudice and stuff, but there's, there's never really quite a sense of how did people react to this when they realised what was going on? Hmm. Maybe, maybe I ought to be rereading the novels. May, may, yeah, I, um, I'm going to have to consider that real soon now because I think I, um, my player characters are not going to be able to keep the 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 lid on the fact that magic has returned much longer, and things are getting a little spectacular in certain places. Yeah, this, this is happening in the, in the World War Two game as well. I mean, the, the, there are now several hundred merchant sailors who, who have seen a uh, watery bint riding a sea serpent. And yeah, yes, they're merchant sailors, but somebody's going to believe some of them. Uh, he, he's he, he, uh, that, that's Sober Jack, sir. No, no, he never has the hallucinations. <laughs> <laughs> but my my player's reaction to this is: let us prepare a statement for when this does get out. <laughs> yeah, I haven't persuaded my lot to do anything that useful yet. Well, so what's your next project apart from do something else? Um, currently fiddling around with um, 1930s Wainscot fantasy. Oh. Low powered deliberately because we've been running a few, fair few fairly high powered games recently, and this uh, tool yeah. is certainly one of them. Uh, which means. The, the classic problem of fantasy, why don't they just call the police? Um. 
the answer I'm groping towards, this, this is still in embryo, so I don't mind talking oh. about it, is both um, the, the PCs are not the sort of people who are going to be casually believed by the police. They all have some degree of social stigma. Um, ah, because only those at the fringes... Because only those at the fringes can see what's going on. That I'm still looking into. But you know, if, if uh, Lord Peter Whimsey says to his policeman brother-in-law, we need an awful lot of men surrounding this house, preferably unimaginative ones, and if anything comes out, they should shoot it. Yeah. He, that he can get that. Yeah, quite. Um, the other thing I'm considering is making the making the monsters invisible, except to player characters. Yeah, that's a. They they are they are they have the sight. Um, see uh, the the London falling, full on London, or whatever it's a, called. A bit like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is where GURP simulationism really helps me because I know exactly how hard it is to fight something you can't see. And you know the the, the policeman may have um, hand to hand skills and attrition and things. Yeah. But if he can't see what he's trying to hit or what's trying to bite his head off, right. he's going to be in trouble. So so I can have PCs who are relatively not combat monsters. Hmm. Yeah, reasonable, but they don't, they don't have to be um, high powered specialists who can still do something useful. Hmm. Have you considered the possibilities of um, officers recently released from psychiatric care after spending a lot of time seeing things? It's a thought, yeah. Um, the the players uh, grabbed onto the idea of uh, all, all the characters being female. Ah. Um, that, oh, that's, not, that's not a sufficient social stigma in itself, no, but, it, but it points things in that direction. And so for the moment I'm going with that. Okay. Uh, a, lo- a lot of widows, obviously. Widows and orphans. Hmm. Now, how I can then blend this with uh, classic mystery fiction, I don't yet know, because they're not the sort of people who are going to get invited to country house parties. <laughs> Actually, they are. They're probably the servants. Possibly, possibly. Yeah. Or, the, or at least the entertainment. Right. Please do not use that in any lascivious sense. Mm, oh. No, I th- given the PC ideas I've had so far, I, th- I think they would beat up anybody who suggested it and then worry about how rich they were. Okay. Well, I will look forward to further reports and and further um, further things. Now, let me having you having wrapped a thing. Let me let me go on and talk about my failure in something else. Last time, I believe, we talked about uh, Game Chef, an annual competition. Moan, low moan, grasping of head and slapping of, of forehead and, and that sort of stuff. Now, I had an excuse for not doing it this year. I was in Finland. What about you? Finland is connected to the World Wide Web, I believe. Uh, you were dodging reindeer, I understand, but... Um... Yeah, that's a casually walk across the main road. Yeah, right. I, on the other hand, gave it, gave it a good try... I submitted something, so I will be um, getting to look at some of the uh, four of the entries and making a judgment between them. But I feel utterly unworthy. And if it weren't for the fact that um, that entries have to be anonymized, I would mention the fact that I, I give permission to the person who has to read the rubbish I submitted um, to to slag it off something dreadful. But be this as it may. 
the theme of uh, this year's Game Chef, which is a competition we should re uh, reiterate, in which you're given a theme and four ingredients which you should use two to three to create a game or a something to do with gaming. And yeah, theme, I, I think they generally assume it's going to be a standalone RPG with a single subject. Things. Yeah. I, think, I think the Mountain Witch. The Mountain Witch. Game Chef. Uh, and I, I, I can't remember whether whether the. Oh, never mind. But, Mountain Witch. But, but that's the general assumption. That's the general assumption. Um, and the theme this year was technology, um, which is a broad and beckoning theme. And then my mind went several places, which I'll discuss in a moment, and then it ran up against the rock of the four ingredients, which were, they are burned into my memory at the moment, oh dear. alarm, dance, sketch, and sunlight. Ow. Mm. Now, I maybe should have approached it by looking at the ingredients first and seeing what they suggested, but I went via, via the theme. Now, the theme, it struck me first of all that technology is most often used in games, in t it's most very important in games, in two settings, two genres, which is the post apocalypse and the post human, the transhuman. Mm -hmm. And so my first ideas went in two directions, which were. One was, I had just listened to, uh, or rather read, a BBC uh, website article about the short story The Machine Stops by E.M. Forster, yeah. which uh, was having a stage adaptation. And that struck me as being a very odd post-apocalyptic thing. It's about people living underground in pods, communicating with the other human beings only by... Um, uh, tele television and telephone, and being entirely dependent upon their uh, the machine that mm. keeps them going, and what happens when the machine stops working? Yeah, and with the ingredient of sunlight, that crashed in my mind with a story, a novel called Dark Universe by Daniel Galoya. I think that's pronounced. Um, which was about some people living out a standard post-apocalypse, post-nuclear war, in utter darkness, deep underneath the earth. Mm -hmm. They've forgotten what light is. They've forgotten... Um, they, they have a religious um, justification for their uh, for their current state. They're using rocks clicking together uh, to, to, to allow them to navigate by, by an acquired skill of sonar. It might be a mutation. Yeah. And... It, and that collided together with the, the machine stops, and that started out the best thing I think came out, though I didn't finish it, which was uh, the idea that you are a bunch of people not living alone, but living in a community deep underneath the earth, uh, a post-human community, post-singularity mm. community, where all your needs are, survive, uh, are, are provided for, where you have food, you have entertainment, you have things to do, you're expected to... Develop your mind and your body, mensana and corporisano. So each of the player characters would be the best in the world at one thing. Mm -hmm. One physical thing, one mental thing. All these things from the list would be useless. Mm -hmm. right, mostly useless, like running, throwing a javelin, um, needlework. Yeah. Um, but they get to choose from the list. And I thought maybe they had inherited... Uh, hang on, I'll come to that in a moment. 
and then the machine stops and they have to go outside uh, outside the little underground community and find out why mm-hmm. and it's a quest up towards the daylight the alarm and the daylight yep. are worked in and it's something and it's sort of works I, I, I think, except that I, I thought that I would give them a randomly generated piece of um, of kit of ancient inheritance dug out mm-hmm. from the from the from the uh, from their community stores to help them on their way, and they have to find their way to the place where the where the where the energy comes from, so they can recharge yep. their batteries. When they get there, that's broken down, and they have to go up to the surface. To find sunlight to recharge uh, by 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 using a solar recharger, yeah, and then they have to decide whether to come back again and and tell the people down below about what's really going on. So it, it's Campbell's Campbell's journey, and I thought about this and I scribbled a lot about it, but it, I ran up against the fact it is only a scenario. I couldn't make the intuitive leap to it becoming a generic. To becoming more specific, it had to be fairly specifically written. Well, some of the things people produce for this are one scenario games. Yeah, it's true, but there should be a degree of flexibility in it. There is in the Mountain Witch. There is in the setup mm. for the Mountain Witch. And maybe I was being too hard on myself, but I couldn't make myself see. Also, the fact I'm I, I'm less of a rules maven than I should. I was at the point of hand waving away the whole thing. Um, and just saying uh, it's pure narrativium, you have these abilities, you have these two things which you are best at in all the world, and if you can find a way of defeating the monster with Needlepoint, then you have done it. Shades of Hero Quest. Yeah, quite. Uh, Stunned with the beauty of flowers, I remember that debate, <laughs> God help us. Um, and, and But I couldn't make it gel, gel together. The other end was the post-singularity thing which I was thinking of trying to gamify what I think is Charles Stross's Singularity Sky. Mm-hmm. You're on a distant colony planet, and then suddenly somebody turns up with a wish-making machine, mm-hmm. and you have to either get the best deal out without losing your soul, or you have to stop other people selling their souls for things that are going to destroy the community, but I couldn't make that gel well enough. I mm. thought maybe making one player the antagonist, or making each player petition the others in their turn for something, so the others play the community mind of the of the intruding uh, space folk. But mm. that wouldn't gel quite either, and I couldn't see a way to resolve it. And my mind went round and round. There was also an idea about um, managing... Um, a couple of ideas about managing the results of mad science. Um, there's a there's a, a webcomic whose name I cannot at this moment remember, which is all about um, the the mad science police who go around trying to find these people with this peculiar um, a miracle of science. Could be science related mimetic disorder. Yeah, that's the one. That's the, the one where, where Mars is one communi- communal mind. Is that mm-hmm. that's one? All right, thank you. I thought that something like that 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 could be used, and of course the player characters have to have at least some of them have to be recovering mad scientists. Well, I think quite a, quite a few of the uh, cops in that are. Yeah, because yeah, who understands better than somebody with the syndrome, and 
who goes off off the reservation better than somebody with the syndrome <laughs> who's been forgetting to take their pills. But again, that did that didn't gel. I. I, I I sort of came back to the to the opposite of the post singularity thing with you are a mad scientist trying to persuade the committee to accept your piece of mad science as practical. That but sounds almost as if it should be a card or board game. It is, and then I decided it already is. It's mad, well, it's it's sort of the inverse of Mad Scientist University, ah, isn't it? Um, which is fun, but. Anyway, so my, my idea is ground into the dust. I produce a piece of rubbish which I, I submitted, but uh, but it got me to thinking about technology in games and how to rate it, and how to how to handle the stuff that honestly you really don't. Now look, you've just you are a technically minded person. You've just produced a a a, 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 a book for Steve Jackson Games about the hard technical details of when nuclear. Um, uh, reactors go wrong mm-hmm. but most of us don't have that sort of mind I don't my degree is in English this is my excuse for a lot of things my degree is in economics ah oh, that's no excuse whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> but the 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 the, <laughs> the whole don't knock it it worked for filmmasters yeah, yeah I know. well he seems to know a lot about a lot of stuff but I do not know what's likely about uh, about uh, about trends and future uh, sidearms. And to quote uh, William Goldman, nobody knows anything, neither does anybody else. Mm. So people are going to come up with these cool ideas, and I don't understand how they work, and I don't understand how they impact. But you could, one of the things I thought about was having a game where it is the present today. You have the technology, more or less the technology you have at the moment. And the society you have at the moment, and mm-hmm. these weird science ideas keep coming along. What do you put into Warehouse Twenty Three? Warehouse Twenty Three, not Warehouse Thirteen, who stole the idea. <laughs> um, and and what do you let out into the wild? Yeah, that that has the minor disadvantage that you you have to um, casually invent a how society works simulation. Yes, that's what I found. You see, I couldn't find a. All right, how, how do you, let us do that now because it would have made my my, my my game designing task a lot easier. What, what, what I generally do if I need that sort of simulation is get get several smart people together and feed them beer. Yes, and do you can they can they come up with anything coherent after they have been drinking your beer? Often. All right. Well, the, hmm. but but this is this, this, this isn't a, this a barbecue. Isn't a set. This 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 coming Saturday. Yeah, but this isn't a set of rules. So no, quite. Well, what does him? It, it's a way of exploring a particular concept. Yeah, quite. Well, that's what that's one of the things they wanted. The concept of here is a new piece of tech. What does it impinge on? You could do it so the players have the. Hmm. The players have the uh, the ability to decide one of these goes goes forward, and you would have dice pool risks, something like um, something like the 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 resolution in um, Fiasco. Mm. Uh, the, the the you roll the dice and see how badly does this go exactly in this particular <laughs> area. I don't know. Perhaps the players have different coloured dice, which they. Put into the pool, and um, they want to get their own accepted, and everybody else is 
I wonder. I mean, I know they've they've, they've got this assumption in the Game Chef stuff. Uh, it's not even explicit, yeah. but it seems seems to me that you will be producing a, f- a full new rules set. Well, yeah, quite. But there are only so I, many I can things. see the the thing you're just talking about could work could work actually as fiasco. It would be quite different from standard fiasco. But, they, but the fiasco guys like things that are different from standard fiasco. It's true. I, I yeah, I don't see where the narrative, the whole the whole yeah, but the the res, the resolution for fiasco, it is. It's thematically appropriate, but it isn't the core of the game. The core of the game is the interaction between uh, the people who are trying to screw each other over. Yeah, so 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 you're you're a bunch of mad scientists trying trying to uh, get support from each other. Yeah, that's true. It's possible. Um, uh, you you get lots of black dice, and they they built your invention. It destroyed the world. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, you, they built your invention, and the credit went entirely to somebody else, um, and it was manufactured in 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 some third world country, and it was never ever a success. It, there was there were lawsuits. <laughs> that's tr- well, that's that's possible. That's possibly true. It could it could work out as a, and the um, it must be said that the setup for uh, Fiasco would be very good for developing. Um, uh, a techno babble inventions at random, mm. but particularly if you start combining them. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That 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 that, that would work. And there are there are uh, there are websites on the on the on the net where you can you can you can randomly generate um, uh, techno babble, which is really terribly terribly useful. <laughs> I don't find them entirely useful, but. Uh, excuse me, for people who don't know what they're talking about, people like me, it's, it, 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 you, can, you can at least get get a couple of nouns and an adjective. The, the trick is you need players who also don't know what you're talking about. Or the players who do know what you're talking about, uh, but are willing to go along with the gag. Yeah. And th- this does come back to things I said before. One of the things I like about um, hypothetical technology or completely imaginary technology in role-playing games is that it can work in a way such that the players can put it together in unexpected manners. Hmm. But, but yeah, but that's not. It's not the only thing that happens in high tech games. Sure, I, well, I was just wondering. And yeah. various people have said, I, I think, including some of your players, that the problem with the science fiction game is is the character is effectively replaced by their equipment list. That's my friend Graham. Yes. So I was I was wondering whether you could do something along those lines, where either you know, the technology is the character, either. Um, it, it's, all right, it's all this, this is one of the ideas or... I didn't actually use. Yeah. Uh, but I should mem- mention a game by my friend uh, David Wake, uh, not a game, a novel, by my friend David Wake, which is called I Phone, <laughs> which is about a, uh, a person's advanced, um, a lady's advanced uh, uh, pers- personal phone, um, smartphone, which becomes even more intelligent. Over the course of the novel, as as he as as he we will call it he, for convenience because he falls in love with the heroine, um, uh, reboots and re and, and updates and becomes more and more more and more like like a person. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was thinking of using this is the the other end of the post singularity game, starting out in sunlight, starting out with somebody who is essentially one of the dancers at the end end of time. Michael Moorcock reference, always referencing somebody else. Um, I, uh, the last human being alive, 
um, who is looked after by all his um, uh, personal uh, um, uh, devices uh, who are linked together in the Internet of Things. Yep. And are the, so you get one player character who is the last human being alive and all of his uh, uh, all of the other player characters are his um, uh, computer are his car yep. are his are his uh, are his uh, robot butler and and the the big computer who has been looking after him all his life tells him that apparently he is the last human being alive but there may be another one of the other gender somewhere and he must go and find the other person and have children because um, because otherwise all the machines will have to shut down because their purpose will no longer be possible. And um, you have his quest going out into the sunlight and then down to find the dancers in the, in the darkness. But I don't want to see that one either. It sounds it has a lot of overlap with an idea I've been tossing around for some time and thinking about doing as a transhuman space one-shot adventure, mm. uh, which is the player characters are somebody's personal devices you know his, yeah. his head comp his personal organizer his wig yes and so on but but in this case the human is an npc and, and their primary job is to, is to keep him from getting into trouble i see is 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 managing 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 sir roger managing, managing sir rupert i think he should be a rupert <laughs> yeah but I, why shouldn't i kill him and eat his brain <laughs> well sir i want you to have a look at this website about Kuru. <laughs> Oh, it takes far too long to read. Anyway, yeah. Um, so, a tricky one. Yeah. Uh, have, have you done Game Chefs before? No, no. And next year, though we will announce it next year, I'm not going to announce my intention. I shall just see if anything happens. Yeah, if, if, if I'm not um, driving several hundred miles a day at the time, I, I may well give it a go myself. Yes, we, we could make you our Game Chef champion. Yeah, right. <laughs> Somehow I don't think anybody's going to, going to um, score up a GURPS adventure as some um, champion of standalone RPGs. Oh, quite. As I say, going mostly systemless seemed to, seemed to be be the best way to, to solve any problems if you don't have that knack for saying, I happen to have a cool way of combining dice or cards. I was, excuse me, I was looking at... Uh, uh, at uh, using poker as a mechanism for the uh, for the mad scientist thing, um, mm-hmm. which which I'm, I'm bluffing and, and counter bluffing and that sort of thing. Actually, playing a game of poker to win the dice pool would be a nice way. Yeah, <laughs> but no, it's not the sort of thing. It's not the sort of thing you can rely upon players to be good. It's, it's a specialised. Set of game th- playing playing abilities. I think Deadlands had some poker related mechanics, mm. but I don't remember enough about the system. Yeah, the, the, there's a lot of... used for everything except actual gambling, of course. Of course, you don't want to. The thing is about role playing games, you don't want to exclude players who are not good at one bit. Yep. You want to find a way so that every sort of player, even the even the ones who don't do instant fertile imagination. Let's be frank, we all want the, those who've got some sort of instant fertile imagination or ability to... Yeah, but I, I, I'm not one of those people who, who um, particularly as a player, comes up with stuff on the fly. Mm. And I, I've met several games which pretty much expect that your players will do this. Yeah. And yeah, they don't really work that well for me. Yeah, so I, 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 I had... I, I, every time I thought about doing any specific thing, 
I had a thought about one of my players and I thought, yeah, but what about him? He could do that. And maybe that's a, a, a thing I allow myself to, to cripple me in, mm. in doing this. However, I look forward to reading the, uh, the four entries they've sent me to comment on. Um, I will not, um, I will not release any details because I think that's probably against the spirit of, of the thing. Seems but, fair. But I hope I find something that's really, really wonderful. And th- th- I believe the eventual um, highest scoring ones get at least talked about, if not actually published. Well, they will do it. They will do a short short list. Um, it's in. So they're doing several language groups, but I shall be, I being relentless in monolingual, eh. we'll, we'll try. We'll, we'll 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 be doing the English one. And uh, and there will be shortlists for each of the language groups, and then a final winner overall after the judges uh, make their decision. So that'd be interesting to see what, what what somebody else has come up with. Yeah, and uh, maybe I'll even say, "Hey, that was the one I recommended." <laughs> it's something. It's not winning, but it, it's it's nice. That was Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice. Please send us your tales of utter failure or your tales of brilliant creativity. If you Especially really... if you turn the former into the latter. Uh, well, um, you can contact us via the website or via... Email to podcast at tekele.ly. Apparently you should rate us on iTunes as well. A lot of people care a lot about that. Write reviews. That's Write thing. reviews. It encourages. Spread the word to the many millions who have not yet heard of us and probably never will. Anyway, we will be back at the height of summer next month.